podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Khaled Patel. It's game week four, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable it's that time of the season where the transfer window is closing very, very soon. And depending on what time you listen to this podcast, the window could still be open or it might be shut ahead of game week four. But I am joined by probably the best person to have on coming to the close of the window. Colored, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. I think you were blacklisted by Guy for quite a while, but um, good to have you on. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, I was definitely shadow banned. I don't know what I did to upset Guy, but Guy, if you're listening to this, uh, I'm back. And uh, if this is the last time you guys hear from me, we'll make sure it's an exciting show. Oh, it's awesome stuff. Now, Khaled, the reason I mentioned that it's a good time to have you on, because I'm sure you're pretty busy at this time of the year, end of the transfer window, looking at what teams could be doing, what they are doing. Let's discuss before we head into the fixtures for the weekend. What sort of teams do you think are maybe in trouble, need to do some business? And I don't know if you've got some players that you might highlight that teams need to sign, but um, how have you seen the transfer window? How do you see the last couple of days going? Yeah, uh, I mean, so to address your points uh, front on, I think the teams that directly need to sign players, so we'll start at the top off of the table. Uh, you'd probably say Manchester United, obviously, I think they have uh, glaring holes in their team after they were ripped apart by Cunha and Co. Uh, Shaw's obviously injured. Uh, centre midfield's an area for them to address. So I feel like they need signings there because the way that Spurs have started uh, and obviously teams such as Newcastle, Liverpool, uh, Aston Villa, Brighton, they're all hitting the top uh, four spots. And Man U could see themselves falling out uh, if they don't bolster Similarly, uh, Liverpool, uh, I know you've got a wry smile on your face. Uh, don't let uh, Darwin's performance uh, pull the blindfolds over you. I think you guys are in major needs for reinforcements. I think you have a weak back line. Uh, you're weak at fullback, hashtag Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, and centre midfield, I'm not having Endo. He's literally a fake version of Hendo. Uh, no puns intended. Uh but yeah, so they're the two teams at the top half of the table that I feel like need signings. Uh, and then if we go to the bottom half of the table, uh, I don't know if people have touched upon it. I think Bournemouth could be in trouble. Uh, Everton obviously stand out, but Bournemouth have spent quite a substantial amount of money. They obviously got rid of Gary O'Neill. 
uh, and they have one point out of three. Now, the way that Bournemouth have spent, if they were to go down, with the way their FFPs hit, they could be hit hard. So I really feel like they need to get some sort of structure in their team, whether it be signings or get players back from injury, but they need to bolster. Uh, and Everton, of course. Everton are in dire need of something. I don't know what it is. Management, players, they need some substantial changes. Uh, and if they don't come, I think this could be the year that they actually do go down. Uh, stop smiling to the UR. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this could actually be the year that they could go down. But I'll stick with those two teams. I think they're the teams that need the most addressing. Well, the thing for me with Everton is how many times do you want to circle the drain? Like they've flirted with relegation way too many times now. You would think by now they would have realized, okay, we actually need to sort things out. Otherwise, we are going down. My only logical conclusion from that is behind the scenes, I think they're thinking if we go down, we can clear a lot of the deadwood that's here in terms of some of the big contracts they have and then try and get back up as quickly as possible. Now, we've seen that with other teams before. That's a dangerous game. You don't yeah. always come back up straight away. Um, but that, that's what it feels like. They, they've not done anything in the summer to address, you know, that, th that need for goals. You know, Calvert Lewin's getting injured at some points during the season. What's your yeah. plan when he's not there? They've not addressed it. To me, yeah, they look like a team that, Obviously, they'll never say that to the fans, but behind the scenes, they're thinking, let's go down, clear some of the clutter, and head back straight up um, next season. What about their stadium, though? That's the only <laughs> thing. I wouldn't believe you, but what about their stadium? Because if they go down, their stadium's surely going down as well. Like, literally, they can't fund a stadium on championship money and parachute payments. So I would have agreed with you, but I feel like their need for a stadium means that they can't physically go down because any hopes of that stadium are gone. Maybe the ownership want that. Maybe they don't want to build a new stadium because they've pumped in too much money into this club. And if they have to invest in a stadium, maybe that you could be right. They could want to go down secretly because that's a way to sort of shelve the stadium plans. Yeah, it just gets postponed until they get promoted. You know how these clubs work, Khaled. They'll, they'll postpone it. They'll postpone it. Um, I mean, yeah, sorry, but look at Luton as well. I mean, with their chance of business, they're literally ready to go down. I mean, they're waiting for championship season 2024 to 2025 to start. They're literally missing, what, Billy Sharp to come back from the MLS and they're good to go. <laughs> yeah, but look, I, for a team like Luton, I, I don't see that as too bad a thing. If If you get up to the Premier League and then use that money to build a squad that can get you back up quickly and then try and stay in the league afterwards, maybe. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see long term. But yeah, in terms of teams that are in trouble at the moment, I agree with you with Liverpool. Um, I don't agree with the Trent shout. I agree. I, I would say the other side of fullbacks, Robertson for me. Um, Trent. I, I, I'm okay with Trent there. He's fine. How? What are you watching? Like, <laughs> Liverpool fans are delusional. Like, I know this is a sidebar, but really and truly, you cannot defend him anymore. Like, he cannot defend at all. Like, he is awful. Like, how many players do we have to see him go up against when he's letting Anthony Gordon do this against him? But the thing is, you don't need... Like, I, I can see Klopp saying he's going to get us more goals with his creativity going forward than he's going to have us concede because of his lack of defensive, you know, now so aptitude. And he's willing to take that risk. I'm okay with that. If, if you back yourself to say, we're going to score more with Trent on the, on the pitch than we are going to concede, that can be a game plan. 
But then you can't then have an aging Robertson on the other side of the field as well, because teams can decide left or right. They can go either way. Rather sure up one of them and then at least say, okay, Trent will do his thing going forward and we'll eat whatever happens going defensively. But yeah, I agree with the endo thing. I think it's, 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 it's a, it's a poor signing if you're meant to be what Liverpool's meant to be, which is challenging for trophies every single season. He's a backup. He's not a starter. So they need to sign a starter. Whether or not they do that towards the end of this window, I'm not sure. I'm not optimistic. Yeah. Um, they're scrambling at the moment, Khaled. They really are. But that, that worries me in itself. The fact that they're scrambling, um, rather than having a plan in place. But we'll continue with some maybe transfer talk a bit later on because we're, we're going to dive back into Arsenal and we intentionally didn't mention Arsenal in this beginning bit because we'll, we'll talk about them in the middle and, and a certain, uh, Smith Rowe who's making the headlines <laughs> at the moment. But let's dive into the fixtures, uh, and, and see how we get on the club that you yep. so affectionately mentioned earlier, Luton. Um, they go up against West Ham on Friday night. First and foremost, are you enjoying these Friday fixtures? And then how do you think Luton fare against uh, a West Ham side that have shown they, they could do some, some, some stuff this season if, if all works well? Moyes Ball is back. Uh, so yeah, Luton, uh, firstly, Friday nights, uh, 100% love it. Uh, I don't love it at the expense of Saturday morning games. Yeah. But I do enjoy Friday nights, that feeling of obviously, uh, finishing off a week at work, getting home to watch a team. Albeit if it's Arsenal, I'll probably be a bit grumpy because having to go to the Emirates at eight o'clock on a Friday will be difficult. Uh, however, I do enjoy watching the games as a neutral. Uh, as for West Ham, uh, they are on my hit list. And that's thanks to a certain West Ham Central on Twitter. Uh, if he is listening to me, every single Arsenal fan despises you for your performance during the Declan Rice saga. Uh, but no, fair play to West Ham. I think they've reinvested the Declan Rice money well. They stayed away from uh, McTominay and Maguire, which was very, very wise. Uh, and I feel like the signings that they've made, along with Paqueta looking like he's going to stay, they look a better overall team than they did with Rice. Uh, so I feel like, yeah, West Ham have had a good start to the season. Uh, and they don't have as much pressure on them anymore because the Declan Rice saga is over. So no one really expected anything from them. So fair play to them. I think they're playing well. Mo- Moise's ball is working well. I think it was, what, 18% possession against Brighton? Yeah. Or something along those lines. Brilliant. Uh, and they've become a, a decent counter-attacking team. And with the addition of Kudos, uh, I feel like that's only going to get better. Yeah, look, it, I, I think, yeah, Kudos is a is a really fine signing for them. And there have been some signings um, where teams like West Ham, I don't know in previous seasons, would get a Kudos. Um, or at Alvarez from Ajax, like straight from there to West Ham, but it, it's, it's certainly making the league exciting. Yeah. For Luton, I think the, the, the only good thing I say that, um, and, and that's probably quite disparaging, but the good thing for Luton in this game is West Ham are the ones that are probably going to have most of the ball. Whereas it looks like this West Ham team favors giving the other team the ball and trying to hit them on the counter. So can they, when they have dominant possession, break down another team that that's something that we're still yet to see from West Ham this season so from Luton I think they're going to enjoy playing on the counter-attack they've got some forwards who look the effort is there um obviously then the quality is the question and whether they can step up to the Premier League 
I think if they have any chance of getting something from this game, it will need to be a nil-nil draw. But I've gone a one-nil West Ham win. Yeah. Uh, before I give my prediction, I think I actually differ from you. I actually feel like Luton will have the majority of the ball. Having watched West Ham uh, for the last few seasons and looked at their possession stats, yeah. uh, Luton played the back three. West Ham play with one person up front, Antonio most likely. They have a very low block naturally. And I feel like having three defenders, Luton will happily knock the ball out uh, at the back. I can't remember the exact amount of passes, but I think total passes for Amari Bell, uh, who was the left-sided centre-back against Chelsea uh, at Stamford Bridge. He had 70-odd passes, yeah. uh, which is actually phenomenal, albeit the score line was one-sided. But I actually feel... West Ham will shy away from the ball again uh, and Luton may knock it about. Uh, but yeah, to be honest, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I feel like the home crowd rocking, uh, they'll be buoyed uh, and I feel like they'll, they'll they'll nick a point. That would be fantastic for Luton. And um, obviously in our Reckless Predictions show at the start of the season, Guy Drinkle said Luton are staying up. So that certainly helps. That certainly helps his cause with that one but let's <laughs> let's move on to Sheffield United versus Everton well uh, you you've already mentioned quite a bit with regards to Everton and their situation what are your thoughts on Sheffield United obviously last time out that 2-1 loss to Man City which was quite late on as well uh they looked good but I would maybe caution Sheffield United fans being too buoyed by that performance because the likes of Helen missed an awful amount of chances yeah. that any other day probably go in and that, that result is, is a lot different. Or are you going to look at it from, take the confidence from the result, maybe not necessarily the performance, but certainly the result itself and, and try and do something against a, an Everton side who, as we've said, has looked quite poorly this season? Yeah, um, I mean, let's not leave anything to chance. This is a six-pointer. This is a straight relegation scrap. Uh, this is literally, it's going to be one of the worst games we probably see all year round. Uh, I think Sheffield United are absolutely atrocious. I mean, yep, they got, managed to nick a goal, but they couldn't tackle. They couldn't pass. They couldn't do anything. They don't look ready for the Premier League football. Uh, and the only benefit that I can tell them is that they're probably a better side than Everton. And that says a lot about Everton. Uh, again, how we discuss the, the Luton game. They play a back three, so I feel like they'll have the majority of the ball. Uh, Everton will be happy to sit back because their confidence is shy. Uh, and the way that I see it is Sheffield United may be awful, but they have that dog in them, as you would always <laughs> mention. Uh, and I feel like that will serve them well against an Everton side that are ready to be put to the sword. Uh, so I'm going to go in this one uh, a 1-0 Sheffield United. Oh, that that would be quite spicy. And as you said, does that leave Sean Dyche in the hottest of hot seats? Does does he then stay as Everton manager if if that happens? Uh, I feel like with the international break coming up, it's the perfect opportunity for him to leave. Uh, the only reason they'll keep him is because they're guaranteed three points against Arsenal the week after the international <laughs> break. Uh, so if they're prepared to obviously uh, wait for their three points, which they're guaranteed to receive, uh, they may keep him, but I feel like if they lose to Sheffield United, he's out the door. He's gone. Interesting stuff. Well, I've I've gone one one, uh, and that saves Sean Dyche's job. Uh, I I don't know if they get the win in that one, but at least a draw. And 
I mentioned those reckless predictions. One of mine was that no manager would be fired before game week 16 of the Premier League. Um, oh, no chance. Look, Everton, where do you go? Where do you go from Sean Dyche? If Sean Dyche isn't going to fix it, then... Roberto Martinez, it. he's waiting in the wing, ready <laughs> to put Lukaku on the right wing against Monreal. Trust me, uh, they're waiting. Roberto Martinez will come back. He oh, will come back. Goodness. Surely. I don't know. Where is Roberto Martinez right now? He's yeah. not going to go drop, is he? Nah, I don't think so. He's chilling. There you go. Ready, ready, replacement. You weren't ready for that one, were you, to do one? No, I wasn't because it was so left field. It was so nonsensical. Let me let me let me check. Let me check. What is Roberto Martinez doing yeah, right now? He's probably still earning that Chelsea check. To be fair, um, as are many managers at this point in time. Yeah, he's chilling. He's waiting. He's, he's ready. He's waiting. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, no, he's the Portugal national team coach. Oh, shocking! Shocking. So that's he can do both. Got, he can do both. Jobs. Yeah, exactly. He can do both. Yeah. Double duty for him. Let's go to Brentford versus Bournemouth. Surprisingly, I, I didn't want to say it earlier because obviously we're going to discuss them, but you mentioned Bournemouth could be in trouble, certainly if they go down. But I like the ambition of bringing in a sort of a manager that's taken underdog teams and, and caused some chaos. And I guess his football is quite organized chaos. Coming up against the Brentford side who... I think one of the more balanced teams, one of the more structured teams in the Premier League. I think this could be a good game. Every game I've watched from Bournemouth this season has been good, but are they going to be a team that are involved in good games but actually end up getting results from them? Or we've seen, for example, Norwich a couple of seasons ago where they played good football, but they kept losing every game, so it didn't really matter. They still ended up going down. I think Bournemouth could surprise people. I, I like the new manager. I like the style of play. They've brought in some interesting players. I thought Clivert looked lively um, throughout that game on the weekend. And, and when he came off, I thought they sort of lost a bit of their outlet going forward. I think Bournemouth could cause some problems this season. I'm going to stop kick them off causing a problem here because I think their performances have deserved a result. I'm going to go 2-1 to Bournemouth in an upset win away from home at Brentford. I can't see it personally. Uh, a lot, like I said, the, the key word is you like Bournemouth. You like watching them play, which is what the American owners wanted. They've basically gone full Bielsa Lee's mode. A really like team. Everyone likes to watch them as a neutral, high press, chaos at the back. Uh, I can't see them being as dogged as they were with Gary O'Neill. I think they were absolutely nuts to get rid of him. And it's testament to him what he's done with Wolves so far this season, which shows what a good manager he is. And I, I really feel like Bournemouth are, honestly, they're on the edge. Uh, their new signings have to bed in. Clivert hasn't done it anywhere else. Uh, and I can't see how they get points against a well-structured Brentford team. Uh, I see a Brentford win here. I'm going to go 2-1 Brentford. Yeah, and they've looked solid. And you, Are they one of those teams you mentioned that will be chasing Champions League football this season? Is that Brentford? Yeah. No chance. Uh, I, f I feel like the, there's a... The league is basically Man City and Arsenal. Uh, obviously, there's a gap between them, but there's Man City, Arsenal. Then there's the Champions League hopefuls that we mentioned earlier on. And then there's a huge gap. Uh, and I just don't feel like Brentford have invested enough in their team. I mean, they're trying to sign uh, Brennan Johnson. But really and truly, is he someone that's going to fire you into the top four? Uh, there's just no chance. I feel like the best hope for Brentford would be Europa Conference League. 
that seventh or eighth place finish. But uh, anything above that, I think it's just a stretch too far. Interesting. And your score prediction for that was? Uh, score prediction was two one Brentford. Two one Brentford. So we've gone, we've mirrored each other on that scoreline. Yeah, we're going, we're going Wissa and Embuemo. Well, that will certainly help my fantasy team. Um, also hoping that my fantasy is going to be helped by James Madison this weekend. Uh, they obviously travel to Turf Moor. They play Burnley. First and foremost, do you have James Madison in your fantasy team? I'm talking obviously Premier League fantasy at the moment because we also play NFL fantasy against each other and our draft is coming up this weekend. I'm going to absolutely destroy you and I cannot wait, but. Let's focus. Let's focus on Premier League first. You've never beaten me. Not <laughs> one single season. How dare you? You are literally uh, my kryptonite as well in the sense of you don't draft me any place. You just want to see me fail. So, uh, yeah, that will be fun. But, yes, I do have James Madison in my uh, fantasy football team. Uh, he is looking like an amazing signing and a great player. Uh, a B-Tech Odegaard, albeit, but still a good player. Yeah, he's, he's certainly, and obviously had that scare of walking out of the stadium in a boot, but that happens quite common in football. It's just a preventative measure, a cautionary measure just to make sure they take the weight off of, you know, their, their yeah. leg or something like that. And obviously he started that game. They obviously played tonight at time of recording in the Carabao Cup. Do you think that influences this game against Burnley? Um, obviously there's the pressure for Spurs to win a trophy. So you'd imagine that they're going to be taking this game seriously tonight? Um, or do they just roll on that good form that they've had against a Burnley side who, Khaled, I, I think maybe, I don't know if it's the hype that they had from doing so well in the championship last season, but I thought they got absolutely put to the sword against uh, Aston Villa in their last game, probably more than maybe some people would have thought, considering kind of the slow start Aston Villa have had. Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, Angie has, is it Angie or Angie? Uh, Ange, Ange Ball. Literally, uh, I don't like the guy and there's only one reason he's actually very, very good mm. and it worries me, uh, because he's got them playing great football. Uh, he's already said that he was going to rotate the squad for the Carabao Cup game. So, uh, really and truly, uh, I can see the likes of the Celso and those boys filling in uh, tonight. Uh, as for the weekend, Burnley got smashed. Burnley got absolutely smashed. And I don't know if it's them being a little bit naive because obviously company came in, they had the documentary, they're playing nice football. Aston Villa and Unai Emery are a very, very good side. Uh, I didn't expect them to put them to, a, to the sword as per how they did. Uh, but I feel like Burnley are a bit green around the ears. I mean, Dara O'Shea at the back had over a hundred passes. They're effectively pretending to be like City and they're not City. It's like sometimes what Sam Adelaide used to say is putting your foot through it, getting a, a nice 4-4-2 structure, uh, how Burnley traditionally did and trying to win points that way by defending first might be the best option. Uh, but when you try to play football against some of these teams, there's just leap years between them. Uh, so. Whilst I think Burnley could make it difficult, is it at Turf Moor or is it... Yeah, uh, at Turf Moor. Yeah, at Turf Moor, they could make it difficult for them. Uh, Tottenham are always a bit spursy, aren't they? They're always, what, just around the corner, bit of adversity, Madison could get injured, Burnley could get a rousing ovation from the crowd and it could go their way. Uh, and in all honesty, I think 
the only reason that leads me towards it being a draw is the fact that Vincent Company was obviously linked to the Tottenham job. There's just a bit, something about that game. Uh, Spurs should win, but Spurs being Spurs, uh, I'm going to go for a 2-2. Ooh, that could be an exciting game if it's 2-2. I'm not giving Burnley as much hope in this one. I think it's back-to-back 3-1 losses. I think just the movement from the Spurs midfielders driving into the box has been really good to see, and I I think they're going to cause a lot of problems for Burnley in this one. We saw similarly with Aston Villa where they have drive people that drive with the ball from deep. I, I see the same thing from Spurs. If you look at the likes of Diaby that drive with the ball, the Baileys that drive with the ball, you've got Kulisevsky, you've got Son that can do that. Richarlison, obviously, do you start him? Do, do you just keep the faith with him? or confidence. You've got to keep his confidence going because if you drop him, he's going to throw his toys out the pram, isn't he? Yeah, so that that's one maybe to look out for. But I, I just think it's going to be too much for Burnley in this game. And as you say, yes, it's admirable trying to be like City, but there's a reason Pep Guardiola throughout his career, only coaches the best players in the world <laughs> because that style of football is difficult to play unless you are sort of a top-tier talent. So trying to replicate that with not as much financial power as as, as Man City or a Barca or Bayern have, I think is is difficult. And you're going to get games like this, this game against Spurs where you just get destroyed. And, and hopefully, for their sake, there will be other games that they'll be able to pick up points in um, let's move on to Chelsea versus Nottingham. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. What an interesting team they are at the moment. Um, no, Khaled, I'm not sour about the Moises Caicedo. Okay, maybe I am a little bit. But <laughs> what about Lavia? What about Lavia? Oh, I'm, I'm just sour. I'm just sour about everything that happened that week. Um, 3 a.m. though, 3 a.m. in the morning on Friday. What, what a time to be alive. <laughs> when we had signed, Honestly, when we had signed I both, up, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, Ornstein was just on fire, wasn't he? Mm. You must have been so happy. You must have been so happy. It it that it moved us back into trophy contention. I thought those two moves, Lavia and Caicedo coming in, just one. Do you know what? Just Caicedo alone would have been a massive statement of intent, a la Declan Rice to Arsenal. Uh, and it would have absolutely been hilarious to see. I mean, Klopp was already squirming, thinking of excuses about how he's going to defend the signing. Like, you guys thought it was all but done. But then they did what they did to us with Woodridge. They, Bowley just does not take no for an answer. Him and that Egwali guy. My God. These guys need, they need a documentary, like a draft day documentary just from them. Like, you can act as a fan. Whenever you watch transfer signings, you think, just offer this money, just do it. They're actually doing it. <laughs> yeah. Like they just do what I think they go on Twitter, see whatever the fans want, and they just do not take no for an answer. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's honestly, as a fan, I'm a little bit jealous because you'd love it, but yeah, commiserations to you, mate. Even though I don't think Saicedo is worth that much money, you could have dodged one, but he would have been better than uh, Endo. Look, the the thing with Chelsea, and and maybe this will tie into the game as well, is when you look at it from the purest side of thing to say okay financial fair play are they going to be able to do it you know spending big on players etc the thing for them is once the players are in the door the transfer mat fee doesn't really matter to the manager it doesn't. do you know what i mean like it's us fans that are going to be sitting there complaining about oh they've spent this amount of money to them they don't care the players in the door now 
So what can we do to use them to get, you know, and United have done this time and time again, where they sign these big name players for big fees. And then it's only us fans that are sitting there complaining about it. They're just going about their business. Chelsea have now got a really, really young, exciting squad. They sort of played well against Luton, get that 3-0 win. Sterling is back all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Jackson. Um, John Bar. Finally, finally got that goal that he's been threatening for quite a while. Obviously, you know, Gusto comes in to deputize for Reese James. Colwell is in there starting another one that Liverpool tried to sign from Chelsea. But I think against Nottingham Forest, a one e nine goals in seven consecutive games at the moment. Um, surely, surely they're not going to cause an upset here at the Sam- at Stamford Bridge. Do you know what? <laughs> I don't know what to say anymore. I mean, I was there uh, when Arsenal played Forest on the opener. Uh, they weren't that bad. Like, they're decently organised. Uh, Cooper's got them uh, well-structured. There was a lot of upheaval and change in terms of signings last year and rotation. They seem to have a set team. Uh, Willie Bolly, if you see him in person, he is huge. Am I allowed to curse on this programme? Uh, you can, but preferably not. He's fucking huge. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, 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 it justified it. Uh, he's absolutely enormous and he scored against Man U. They've got clear strategy from set plays to target him for either knockdowns or headed goal approach. They've got a clear strategy in what they do. Uh, and Chelsea look weak at the back. I mean, Luton caused them problems. Anyone that watched that game, don't look at the scoreline. Watch what Luton did. A better team going forward and Morgan Gibbs-White looks like the real deal. I mean, I thought he was a bit of a show pony when he first came, but he can play. The way he played against Arsenal live and direct, the players got something about him. Uh, so although I think Chelsea will win because I think Pochettino's got them playing well, I don't think it will be uh, too easy. So I'm going to go 2-1 Chelsea. I have the exact same scoreline here, 2-1 to Chelsea. Yeah, look, I think the the key thing for Nottingham Forest, and they're probably one of those teams hoping that the transfer window would close right now, is just keep hold of Brendan Johnson. Because I think he adds to that team. And as you said, he adds more to them than he would to, let's say, another team, one of the bigger teams that he would go to, because they have that option to rotate between him, yeah. um, Elanga, uh, Awani, Morgan Gibbs-White, Keeping at least one of those players fresh or two of them fresh coming off the bench, I think has been really, really useful for them and yeah. could be quite fruitful uh, against Chelsea, especially if they can keep this game close, maybe 1-1 or something going late into yeah. this game and then Chelsea at home feel the pressure to go and chase that winner. Yes, that That's Owanye written all over it on the counter-attack. Literally. Uh, literally is what we've seen in the last two games. Uh, generally speaking, though, I feel like the first goal is massive in this game. Uh, if Forrest score the first goal, I feel like they could have a chance to go on and get three points. So it definitely at least a draw. But if Chelsea score first, they could fold. Uh, guess we'll see this weekend. We will see this weekend. But before we move on to a state of the nation address somewhat from Arsenal's perspective, obviously you leading that, let's pay some bills, Khaled, because this podcast is presented by EPRindex.com in association with Liberty Shield. 
Liberty Shield is a VPN provider and you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. If you guys use the coupon code EPL25, you get 25% off of the router or the software VPN. Uh, that software VPN just downloads straight onto your devices. It's a virtual private network, which is a technology which encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You guys can change your location, avoid geoblocks and government imposed um, restrictions to access any website. Also, go and check out EPL Index Shop. You can find it on Etsy. If you use the coupon code EPL10, you get 10% off at checkout. That Liberty Shield is going to come into good use as the NFL season starts next week. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, being able to watch the games, not having to worry about what channel these games are on. Speaking of channels, TNT, obviously BT Sport being rebranded, they're, they're trying some interesting things. Obviously, we saw an interview with fans at halftime during the Spurs yeah. game, which was an interesting take. Um, but let's move on to the other side of London or close to um, with Arsenal. Khaled, what have you made of Arsenal's transfer window? What have you made of what's left in the transfer window? And obviously, there's the elephant in the room of uh, Smith Rowe and, and what his future holds. Talk to us about Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, so, for me, it's a 10 out of 10 transfer window. Uh, I feel like some fans are too demanding or unrealistic. Signing Timber, signing Declan Rice. I have to repeat that again. Declan <laughs> Rice. What a signing. Like, literally... What an absolute dream signing. Uh, Havertz, no Arsenal fan can complain about the transfer window that we've, that, of the plays that we signed. David Rea, uh, we've had a great transfer window. Uh, we can't complain. We've got in signings, big name signings, uh, proven players. Uh, the way that I see it, if we can make one more signing, uh, it would be cover in defence because I just don't, I feel like the way that we started the season, uh, Arteta is doing a little bit too much, respectfully. Although we trust him, uh, I feel like putting Gabriel in the back line, playing a back four with Ben White at right back and not Partey, uh, that's the way forward. I feel like he's trying dynamic tactics against low block teams, trying to be more like Pep, trying to be innovative. And it came back to bite us in the bomb this weekend. Uh, I was absolutely furious. I mean, to concede to 10 men, if you're looking to win the league and you're throwing two points away at home, it's honestly unacceptable. Uh, and I want to see us go back to our old shape as soon as possible. In terms of signings, yeah, the only other signing that I would want to make is cover in defence. Uh, but yeah, Emil Smith-Rogue leaving, not happy about it. Uh, he's an Halen boy. He's Arsenal through and through. Talks of him going to Chelsea with a potential Mudrick swap. Uh, as exciting as Mudrick can be, no thank you. There's clearly something wrong with him for them to want to let him go now. Uh, and I don't know what's going on, but Arteta seems to have something with players. We're seeing it with Gabriel now. All of a sudden dropped. I mean, he played the Community Shield, played preseason, out of nowhere dropped. Doesn't make sense. Uh, Smith Rowe can't even come off the bench. Uh, Something's going on there. What it is, no Arsenal fan knows. Uh, but whether it's a case of us trying to balance the books and clubs circling our players, I don't know. But I wouldn't be happy if either of them left. It, it certainly in a, in a team that is going to be challenging, you'd imagine, for quite a few trophies this season. Those depth pieces are pretty important. 
a Smith yeah. Rowe who comes in and the level of play doesn't drop, that's what keeps you in title contention throughout the whole season. That's what the likes of City have been doing for years upon years, where yep. no matter who's coming in, that level doesn't drop. So I think losing Smith Rowe would be a mistake for Arsenal, but it does seem like something's gone on there. And we've seen with Arteta during this tenure at Arsenal, when a player's out of favour, he'd rather yep. get them out just to keep the squad harmony than have 100%. them loitering around for too long. And similarly with Gabriel, um, yeah, it, it seems to be a situation that hopefully they can resolve and, and just be grown-ups about it. But this is me saying it without knowing exactly what's gone on. So it's a bit hard to say. Um, yeah, when I look at Arsenal's window, I don't know if I say 10 out of 10, because as you say, I, I still think there is a little bit more that you guys could do. Um, if Saliba goes down, for example, I'm, 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 I'm all of a sudden very worried about Arsenal, but obviously that's something maybe you don't want to plan a season round to say, okay, if our best defender goes down, um, we, we have someone there, but the timber, Injury is very unfortunate. Would have been a great signing for you guys. It, it still could be a great signing for you guys, but just unfortunate that he gets injured after coming through the door. Declan Rice, obviously, the money is, I thought, overly inflated. Maybe you pay half of that, maybe, for him. But but again, in saying that, with the money thing, he's now in the squad already. Like, he's in the team. It doesn't really matter anymore, especially if next season you go and sign another player. If the money issue for me only becomes an issue if, if, if it affects the next transfer window, which is what we've seen with the likes of Liverpool, where they'll say, well, we're not signing a center midfielder because we signed one last summer. But yeah. Chelsea, for example, they don't do that. Okay, we signed a striker. We're still signing a striker this season because we haven't gotten it right. So the money issue from a fan perspective doesn't really matter. From an Arsenal perspective, yeah, I, I do think Declan Rice, um, it, it was quite a lot of money for him. But I get the value that he brings, the the legs that he he brings into that midfield. I I would like to see him play with Thomas Partey and let yeah. Odegaard just be Odegaard and have yeah. that freedom to to bomb forward. I think that's probably the the best version of Arsenal that we will see. Um, Havertz, I personally would have gone with more of an out and out striker than sort of a a, a half. He kind of is one of those yeah. players that doesn't necessarily have a best position. Um, could that money not have been used better in terms I, of getting a more specialist person to come in? Like you bring Ivan Tony in there, for example. I know he's suspended for the first six months, but you, you bring him in, in, in January and Arsenal still in the title race. That's a whole new picture. You know, that's a move I'd be preferring to make rather than a habit. So we still don't know where he plays. Yeah, he seems like an Arteta side mission, to be honest. Uh, Arteta has bought enough goodwill to be able to do those side missions. But when it comes at expensive points like it did this weekend, we have to be careful. 100% any Arsenal fan would bite your hand off Ivan Tony. I really feel like with Havertz, he wanted someone that could potentially play the eight, play, play the nine or false nine. Uh, jury's out. I do like some key parts of his game, but, uh, jury's out. I don't agree with fans booing him and fans being so pessimistic on social media about him. Give the guy a chance. I mean, by Leverkusen, everyone was raving about him. Uh, so he deserves a chance, but I feel like Arteta needs to also be a bit more pragmatic and get these results on the board because we've got a tough September coming up. Uh, and yeah, so I'm happy with the window that Arsenal have had. 
ideally I would love more players, but as an Arsenal fan who's seen windows of signing Shamak on free transfers, <laughs> signing the players we signed, it's a clear 10 out of 10 window. Anyone wishing for more clearly wasn't born uh, before to, uh, 2004 because anyone that saw the eras that we went through, my goodness me, this is a window beyond all windows. And beyond look, my the, visions. The, the good thing is they are backing him. At least, they like it, whether whether it's the wrong choice, you know, that's something that we can judge later on. But at least if he's saying get me habits, they're going and getting him habits, which is good to see from his perspective. And it's obviously the only franchise that's left that they haven't won a trophy with yet. So they're probably they they're desperate to win a trophy to complete the set. Um, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> the Nuggets can do it. It's coming. That would be epic. But again, with the habits signing. It creates problems like the Smithrow situation yeah. because Havertz coming in, I can understand why Smithrow is thinking, well, when am I ever going to get in this team? We already bought Vieira last time and then yeah. now Havertz comes in, players that can play multiple positions. That was his niche in this team. It, it, it's yes. kind of disappeared. Um, I, I think that's where the issues have come in for Smithrow and trying to see if he can fashion uh, uh, some meaningful minutes this season. Um yeah, so it, it might just be best to to let him go, um, much to the chagrin maybe of of fans. Uh, but for the for the greater good of the squad, you don't want someone moping around um, in the team. Certainly not someone that's not a, a, an out and out starter. Yeah, no, uh, I just don't want to see him go to another London rival. If he does want to leave because he wants to play, fair play to him. He's a great player, uh, but every Arsenal fan will be hurt because when we. Uh, were low. Smithrow gave us that sort of, I think I saw a tweet which said he was the hero that didn't wear a cape for us. And it's the, it's the best tweet to just to sort of articulate what Smithrow means to Arsenal fans. He's the unsung hero. Uh, he was there when we were low. Uh, and I've always been a firm believer of Smithrow. When Arsenal are good, Smithrow doesn't start for us, but he, he deserves minutes off the bench. I mean, come on, give the boy a chance. There's clearly something that's gone on because Arteta is completely looking away from him. Uh, but yeah, hopefully it resolves itself and I hope he doesn't leave. He'd be a good signing for Spurs, I'm just saying. But look, in terms of him going to Chelsea, for example, you and Chelsea are constantly doing business together. I, I don't know how that works, but somehow you guys seem to make it work. When Liam Gallas and Ashley Cole, it goes back <laughs> then. Honestly, ever since that, that deal, we've consistently doing business with each other. Uh, I feel like players don't want to leave London. Yeah. Uh, so they just switch from red to blue and vice versa. Yeah. True, true. Okay, let's let's carry on with the fixtures that are here for game week four. We've got Man City versus Fulham. We mentioned uh, Man City a, a bit earlier on when we were discussing Sheffield United. Man City struggled to put the ball in the net. I mean, eventually did uh, twice, but you get Haaland missing a penalty, which is quite strange. Um, is it just going to be business as usual again for Man City and, and maybe being a little bit more clinical? And do you think it ha there was an effect with Pep not being there in the stadium on the dug in the dugout, you know, dictating things? Or for me personally, I didn't think that it it would affect them, and I don't think it did too much because they've got quite an experienced team together. Not too many new players that have come in there. They should know what they're doing and how to beat a team like Sheffield United. I, I think. I saw some stuff about it and I thought that was a bit overblown. And then from Fulham's perspective, I think it's just been a, a, an unfortunate summer for them. Um, obviously they've lost Mitrovic, which, which is massive. 
do you do you give them a chance here? Do do they take inspiration from what Sheffield United were able to do, and then obviously equally what they did um, at the Emirates last time, getting getting a point? Uh, I feel like they would have gone into Fulham. That is the next few games, thinking they're going to get nothing from it, and anything they get is a bonus. I feel like they got that. They're going to roll over as all teams do for City. Uh, City are going to wipe the four of them, especially at the Etihad. Uh, contrary to what you said, I, I did feel like Pep's absence did make a difference. I feel against low block teams, if City don't score in the first 20 minutes, Pep is an orchestrator from the touchline. Uh, he helps to direct their passes, their movement. Uh, and I definitely feel like the City would have scored earlier if Pep was there. Uh, however, they're, they're a juggernaut. I mean, the way that Rodri came back, it was inevitable almost. You just knew that they were going to have a chance. Whether they took it or not was another thing. But the way that they did it, extremely impressive. Uh, they just literally went up the gears, scored a goal. Uh, Fulham, I mean, honourable mention to Jao Paulinho. What a player. Watching him live on the weekend, he is, again, enormous. I don't know why I've got this obsession with enormous <laughs> players, but... Uh, Declan Rice is another one that's enormous I remember seeing him against Spurs he's massive yeah but when I say enormous it's enormous in stature I mean I think he had six tackles he was everywhere Uh, constant fawn in our side Uh, and he's a player that back to transfers that Liverpool should look at as a centre midfielder that can add a difference to them I think he could add a difference to any top four side like really and truly he was magnificent Uh, but he hasn't got a chance against City They'll pass it around him all day long. Arsenal are a bit more naive. Uh, and yeah, uh, I see a City win. Comfortable 3-0 victory. 3-0 to City there. Um, yeah, I've, I've gone 3, I've got 4-0 actually. Um, I, I think City are going to be irritated by what happened against Sheffield United and they're going to take it out on Fulham, unfortunately. Um, and, and I can see them at the Etihad wanting to make a statement just to remind people of who they are and, and I can see Pep drilling that the entire yep. um week that guys that that was unacceptable let's go and, and and correct it at home at the Etihad and we know how Pep is always urging the fans to to get into games well you score four goals they they're going to get into that game but Khaled, let's move on to what I think is probably the game of the weekend now obviously you're going to argue because there's yep. a bigger game that maybe has bigger implications that we'll talk about later. But in terms of just a joyous football game, Brighton versus Newcastle, the, the two teams that are causing major issues for these traditionally big six teams, yeah, playing good football. From a Brighton perspective, obviously you had the result last week um, where they, they lose 3-1 to, to West Ham. We have we seen a pattern of play that could cause Brighton problems? Although looking at that, they've not been really good defensively. I don't think this entire season, regardless of who they've played, but they come up against a Newcastle side that I'm quite familiar with after last weekend. Um, Eddie Howe, I don't know how you fumbled that bag. 10 men for over 60 minutes against Liverpool. I thought maybe he was a bit too cautious knowing he had the extra man and didn't yeah. want to necessarily just go gun ho and, and get the win. And then obviously you get the performance from Allison. The only thing I'll say on the Allison thing is, yes, he, he may have gotten the most saves that he's got in the Premier League game, but it certainly wasn't the most XG he's ever faced in the Premier League. So, okay, he might have saved a lot. He might have faced a lot of shots, 
but it, in terms of degree of difficulty, it's actually not near one of his most difficult games and that he's had at Liverpool. So, but then again, obviously with Sky and, and sometimes the narratives they want to put out there, it's, you know, he was being peppered and, you know, Liverpool were fortunate to get out of it. I mean, we'll move on to Liverpool a bit later on, but let's focus on Brighton versus Newcastle. I'm really looking forward to this game, Khaled. It's half past five. You know that the crowd's going to be up for it because they've be probably been gearing up to this game yeah. all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, the traveling Newcastle fans will definitely be up for it. Uh, are, are you expecting as exciting a game as I am? I've gone 3-2 and I'm still deciding which way it's going to go 3-2. Um, at the moment, I'm leaning Newcastle yeah. because I do think they've got slightly more clinical firepower off the bench. I'm, I'm not discrediting whether it's Xao Pedro or Ferguson that comes off the bench for Brighton. But I do think that Wilson off the bench is quite dangerous. And I can see them getting three goals in that game. And it's going to be 3-2. It's going to be my favourite game of the weekend. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a cracker, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be shots galore. I mean, some of the shot stats that Brighton have been putting up uh, is actually incredible. I think they had, was it, let's see, right in the last game, had 25 shots against West Ham. Uh, they had 16 shots against Wolves. Uh, and in the first game, they had 27 shots against Luton. Uh, those last few games that I mentioned, or rather the first game and this game that I mentioned, there's over 25 shots in both home matches. If they have that amount of shots against Newcastle, most likely Lewis, uh, Lewis Dunk is going to literally be at the halfway line ready for Isaac to run past him. So I think it's literally going to be a helter-skelter game, end-to-end. Game of the weekend, very, very likely. Uh, That and obviously a toss-up between the Arsenal-Man U game. Uh, I would probably go with a 4-3 Newcastle. I think Eddie Howe is going to get into them. They completely bottled it against you guys. It's funny how the minute they were expected to win, they went in their shelves. Uh, And in the second half, they were... Just happy to pass it around the back. No real bite. Uh, sidebar, Joe Linton is a fog. I don't care what anyone says. Joe Linton is a fog. Do you agree? Yeah, I think so. Like, he had like five challenges where he didn't get a yellow card. He was gesturing at the referee to give yellow cards, yeah. didn't get it. And when you, maybe that's what they are asking from him in that team. Because when you've got sort of a Rolls Royce player in San, uh, Sandra yeah. Tonali, You've got a ball player like um, Bruno Gamaresh. Maybe they're saying we also need a bully in there as well. But he's just pushing people off the ball. Like he's not. If it's not even a foul, it's like he'll go to press and he'll push the player for no reason. And it's like, what yeah. is he doing? And the referee was awful. And I honestly feel like players like that it needs to be stamped out because really and truly, he's not disrupting the game. He's disrupting the viewing of the fans watching the game as well. Uh, yeah. I can't stand it. It really, really gets on my nerves. Uh, and like I said, by no means am I a Liverpool fan. Uh, but just watching Newcastle play, it's something that I feel like will get pushed out the better that they get. But it's that fug mentality, which gave me a smirk seeing them lose, uh, because they were just trying to bully you guys. Uh, and there's, there's a fine line between that. And he just shows constant fuggery, uh, which isn't football related. It's very much old school stoke. Uh, with uh, Shawcross and the stuff that he used to do, uh, and I'm firmly against it. Well, we will see. We will see what they they do. But what what scoreline are you giving? For uh, I'm going four three Newcastle. 
Oh, okay. So it, it's going to be a good game. Yeah, I, I honestly um, feel like anyhow we'll get into them. Uh, Brighton are wide open at the back. Like I said, you have Lewis Dunk playing beyond the halfway line. Isaac, Anthony Gordon or Harvey Barnes, whoever starts, they're going to have a field day. They certainly are. Um, let's move on to Crystal Palace versus Wolves. Now, obviously, it's the post-Zaha era. Um, I think someone that you wanted Arsenal to sign, Zaha. Are, are you upset that he hasn't come in or have you moved on from that, so to speak? And then, obviously, from Wolves' perspective, um, 1-0 win against Everton. Do you do, do they take much from that? Or considering what Everton have been this season, they probably need to do a bit more uh, against Crystal Palace if they're going to get a result? Yeah, I mean, you've got a really good memory. I can't believe you remember the Wilfred Zaha one. No, uh, I would have taken him on a free transfer. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Arsenal fan, exciting player, squad depth, would have been decent. Uh, but with that sort of subliminal dig, I'm going to mention that you guys are willing to offer, what is it, 70 million for Takure in the midfield? Uh, I'm not going to say anything about that. I'm just going <laughs> to leave that there and let that marinate for you. Uh, but yeah, no, do you know what? Roy Hodgson's a really good manager. I mean, I don't know how old he is. He's old. Uh, and he's doing a great job. Uh, absent of Elise, Eze is an absolute baller. I think I mentioned that last year as well. Uh, he's sensational. Side note, I think I found out he's 25 years old. Can you believe he's 25? Do you not feel like that makes him a veteran player? He's going to be the Lingard of this, this generation. Yeah. They're just going to keep saying he's a promising young player when he, he he's actually, yeah, he's actually entering his prime years. Yeah, it's crazy. I was shocked when I heard that. But no, I think... Roy is 76, by the way. Still young. It's crazy, right? Like, credit to the guy. Uh, no, I think Crystal Palace are a decent team. I think they'll have enough to stay up this year. Uh, against Wolves, I think it'll be a good game, to be honest. Wolves are playing great. I mean, I'm, I'm not happy with Nunez. I mean, throwing your toys out the pram, going on strike, I get it. City is the pinnacle. But really and truly, you can't be doing that. Like, you just cannot. It's like this club still pays your wages. The fans adore you. You had a great start to the season. It's like, show a little bit of respect. I mean, you, Paqueta didn't do any of that. And he probably would have got his move, uh, probably would have got his move if he didn't like betting. Uh, but yeah, uh, Wolves are a good team. Cunha is a great, great player. I think I heard that they had a clause last year on his loan that if he played three fixtures, they had to make the signing permanent. So I don't think that they had the money to do it, but they were forced to do it. And I think they were lucky because he looks a great player. The way he was going past those Man U players. Uh, and they picked up a great win uh, against Everton to, this week. So uh, I think it'll be a good game. Uh, I'm going to go for a Wolves win. I'm going to go 2-0 Wolves. Uh, I feel like Crystal Palace are meeting, missing a bit of cutting edge. And although they'll be all right this season, I'm going for a home win. An away win. Is it an away win? It would be. Honestly. Yeah, it's at, it's at Crystal Palace. What, what, it's at Salast. What time is the game? At two o'clock. Okay, I was thinking, if it's under the lights, it might have been a different song. Oh, 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 oh. that's what you have here. Uh, yeah, no, do you know what? Um, guy's going to love this. I'm going to have to take back my prediction. Uh, being at Selhurst Park, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I had 1-1 draw. I was, I was happy to... To take your 2-0, because I had a 1-1 draw. I, I think Palace gets something out of this game. Um, yeah, Wolves, there looks to be the bones of something that, that could work this season. 
obviously O'Neill coming in, probably not the fan favorite yeah. appointment, but he's done well. Um, the team seems to be rallying around him. So yeah, they, they want to watch this season to see how they do. Let's move on to the two big games on Sunday, Liverpool versus Aston Villa and Man, and Arsenal versus Man United. But firstly, Liverpool, Aston Villa, Liverpool, it seems like the best way for them to play is to play with 10 men. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard someone saying they've been used to playing with 10 men the whole of last season because they had Jordan Henderson starting. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest Henderson fan in his recent seasons. Obviously, previous seasons, huge fan. I think he made huge contributions. I just thought last season was a time when we should have moved on from him. Um, and obviously now they've moved on from him this season, but yeah, uh, for Liverpool, this game sort of takes a back seat at the moment because everything's focused on what they do at the end of this transfer window. They can't not do anything. The squad is not good enough to go the whole season, I don't yeah. think. Um, but playing Aston Villa is probably a team they don't want to be playing at the moment because we mentioned that counter-attacking threat that they have with the likes of Diaby. I mean, you've mentioned, you know, the, the, the defending of Trent. Could you imagine Diaby running at Trent? I know he usually plays on the right hand side, but if, 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 if I'm, if I'm Aston Villa, I might be tempted to move him to the left and, and just say, just run at Trent or the space that Trent leaves. But then again, Ollie Watkins probably likes operating that space. They're going to play a ball behind Trent, pull that center back out wide and have Ollie Watkins try and do something, um, cutting inside, getting a goal. I, I can definitely see Aston Villa scoring at least one in this one. I can see them scoring two. I've gone two, two. It's going to be frustrating. And the reason I've gone two, two, I think from a Liverpool perspective, I think the, 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 from an attacking side of things, I think they're fine. I think they've got, firepower going forward you've got the lunatic Darwin Nunes to come on if things aren't going well but whether or not he starts I don't think he's going to start yet purely because Klopp doesn't trust him from a tactical standpoint it doesn't seem um he's clearly not doing something when it comes to pressing that's the reason why he's not starting any favors you know like a Gakpo starting um but if I'm Liverpool I'll to how with the the whole tactical thing Get down Nunes on the pitch. He's either scoring a hat or getting a red card. And we've seen that Liverpool can play with 10 men. So it's going to be fine anyway. I think he needs to play in this one because Liverpool need to score a lot of goals to, 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 to keep up with Aston Villa. Uh, in, it's a very, very interesting game. I don't know how Aston Villa are going to set up. They went back free against Burnley. Uh, and Matty Cash was cooking. Uh, it will <laughs> yeah. uh, be interesting to see if they do that. Because if they go with a formation like that, it will provide them with the security of having the free centre backs, but it'll also allow them to push their full backs on. Now, how Dinia will do against Trent, we don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how they set up. I, I, I hope they go back four and they really go at them. And they, like I said, they put a winger up against Trent directly, uh, even playing two up front, uh, and having, like you said, Ollie Watkins pull from the left. I think he's going to cause Trent problems. Uh, I think the back three will be too defensive. It will allow Liverpool to come on to them. Uh, Nunes has to start, surely. Like you said, uh, he adds that X factor to your team, which you're missing badly. I think Gapco is a very, very vanilla signing. Uh, he's trash. I have to say it. I'm sorry, he's trash. Uh, he doesn't add anything other than the fact that he was going to go to Man U and chose Liverpool. Like, 
that's the most like flavor you're going to be able to get from him. Uh, Sabotelai, absolutely horrendous signing. Literally just signed, uh, a David Beckham wannabe. Uh, you can't even deny any of this. Endo, trash. Nunez has something about him. I'm going to push back on Sabotelai because I, I, what's so good about it? I think he's, I think he's going to be really good. He's, he, at the moment, especially without Thiago, he's our controlling midfielder playing, that drives and leads. Manager here. Are we playing football manager? Are we, are we, no. Because if we're playing football manager, yes, the bot side is amazing. Yeah, been for, for several years. So was Kim Kalstrom back in the day. It didn't. It, oh, Kim Kalstrom. It didn't relate on the pitch. What a shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, horrible signing. Your team doesn't fit, doesn't gel. There's no cohesion in your team. Uh, Thiago, there needs to be a massive revamp in Liverpool. Ever since Genie Wijnaldum left, it's literally gone downhill. Your boy Naby Keita, we're not even going to talk about that. Like I said, there's... Maybe Sobosla will be my new Naby Keita. I think he will be. Like I said, he looks amazing. Don't get me wrong. Gorgeous guy. Uh, however, when it can't translate to being on the pitch, Joe Linton had him in his back pocket. Literally. Literally. Did he though? Did he? What did Sobosla do? He didn't do anything. Hockey assist. Did he have any hockey assist? That's what you normally go to. That's your go-to comeback. Any hockey assists? I don't think he even did, did he? No, no hockey assists in this one. Yeah. But look, in terms of against... um, And I saw Newcastle fans saying this with regards to Joe Linton having having Sobazla in his his back pocket and stuff like that. To me, I didn't see that. I don't think the numbers show that... Um, I'm trying to look for it now, but yeah, you can you can continue on yeah. you know, dismantling this this Liverpool side that you clearly clearly do not like. The fact that you're going to your facts uh, reminds me of when you get into Benitez mode. So you keep you keep, <laughs> you, keep, you, keep, you, keep you keep scrolling through that phone. You're not going to find anything. Uh, but yeah, no, I think Aston Villa will put up a decent fight. Uh, whether they win or not, it might be a, a stretch too far. I feel like Liverpool have had ten men. They're coming home. It's like a homecoming for them. They're going to be buoyed by their victory against uh, the Magpies. So uh, I'm going to go Liverpool win. Uh, I'm going to think, I, I think it will be tight. I think it will be 2-1. Uh, I do think Aston Villa will score. Uh, it could be a Coutinho uh, sort of farewell goal before he goes off maybe to Saudi or Qatar, wherever they're saying. Uh, but yeah, I feel like Liverpool will stretch 2-0 in front. Aston Villa may peg them back, but you'll have just enough to hang on for the win. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, Joe Linton won three of his nine duels, but, but how much? Yeah, he, he, he was off dominating. The he was You're forgetting dominant. off the ball here for Newcastle fans. As long as it's like tag, as long as he presses and he gets a touch on them, regardless of the ball, as long as he puts their hand on their shoulder, that's a, a, a victory for them. So if we include those, he had him in his back pocket. <laughs> Nonsense. We, we will see the Sobosli, um, projection. Do, do you have a player? What was it? Who was it? It was Everton's Gomez. That you put up against Naby Keita He's last time. Playing in the Premier League compared to Naby Keita, so I think I won that one. Is he playing? Though? He's, a, well, he's he in playing? the squad, as far as I know. He's in the squad. So would you call that playing? Um, but yeah, you you think of an, a, a, a midfielder that you want to go head to head with me on Sabozla, and then we'll discuss it. But let's move on to the final game of the weekend: Arsenal versus Man United. Will it be bright lights? It's 4.30 in London. I don't think it will be quite bright lights um, at that point during the day. But first and foremost, are you going to the game? And secondly, what, what are you expecting from uh, it? I will, I will indeed be there. Every home fixture, you will see me there. Uh, 
I'm expecting uh, a home win. Like I said, completely unbiased. I'm sure people that listen to this can tell that I'm not a massively biased Arsenal fan. I make jokes, but I'm very, very realistic. Uh, but the way that Man United have been playing, the way that we started off, the way, the fact that we didn't get three points against Fulham, Arteta is going to literally have been at them. I feel like we're going to go back to our best formation with four at the back, uh, with Zinchenko inverted. And I feel like we're going to take it to them. The last year when they came to the Emirates, we've been due sticking three or four past them. I feel like we're going to come at them. We're going to come at them hard. Uh, I've just seen a tweet that says Varane is out of the game this weekend. Uh, that's massive for them. Is Maguire coming back in? Is it going to be Lindelof? Is it going to be Johnny <laughs> Evans? Uh, maybe even Eric Bailly. I heard he's still on the books. Uh, but essentially, from our perspective, uh, I think we're going to be on the front foot. I think we're going to score early uh, and we're going to go, uh, we're going to hit them heavy. Uh, I feel like it's going to be uh, 4-1 victory for Arsenal. I feel like tomorrow is going to be, or rather the Sunday is going to be our homecoming uh, and Manu are going to feel the brunt of our force. That that would be another big loss in terms of scorelines uh, in, in, in the Ten Hag era. Yeah, look, Man United haven't looked impressive. Um, I think they just need to acknowledge that their um, they, their best football is Ali football in terms so of you... sitting back and countering yeah. with Rashford on the left, mm-hmm. Bruno Fernandes driving forward. Um, their midfield looks a mess to me at the moment. They, they, it doesn't gel, I don't think. No. I, I don't see how you, you have Casemiro, Mount and Fernandes. Obviously, Mount um, gets the injury, but I just feel like Casemiro at this stage in his career needs someone with legs next to him to do his running for him. And obviously maybe McTominay could do that, but if, you know, and if he stays, um, but it, it looks like Ten Hag wants nothing to do with McTominay. It it would almost be like admitting defeat if, if if he starts McTominay because he's tried to move the team so far away from that style Mm -hmm. that he can't go back to McTominay from either an ego perspective or whatever the case may be. But Casemiro needs someone next to him to do the running for him so he can do what Ericsson, he does best. Ericsson. They went back to him this weekend. It's crazy, <laughs> right? Honestly, uh, it's laughable. I mean, both yourself and us don't have any fond affiliation with Man U, so we can laugh at their demise, but they're an absolute mess. Yeah, well, hopefully Hojland comes in at some point in time and, and, and saves them. But yeah, in this game against Arsenal, my only concern for Arsenal is Arteta tries to Arteta. Yep. If he just lets the team do what they do, you should run away with this game. But it's going to be too tempting for Arteta. He's going to try and throw a spanner in the works. You're going to see Havertz playing left back or something. Something weird's going to be in this lineup. And and I, I it, it's like Pep in finals. Yep. He cannot help himself. It's a big game. Everyone's going to be watching. It's the last game of the weekend. He's going to try and do something which is going to mess you guys up. Whether or not United have more than one goal in them, I don't know. But I s- party versus Rashford on that left, Callum. It's not happening. T- tell me you're not worried it's about not that. Because- ben White's starting on the right. Ben White will start on the right, 100%. Uh, he, can't, he can't start party there. Uh Partey never takes no for an answer. We know that. So he's got... I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. Am I allowed to say that to Diwa? Pause. Sign Bob. No comment. No comment. But yeah, so Partey never takes no for an answer. 
so he has a dogged approach in all aspects. Uh, but I feel he'll have to go Ben White. He'll have to go Ben White. He's going Ben White. He's bringing Gabriel back. He's putting Zinchenko inverted on the other side. Uh, and he's putting Partey in midfield. Has to. I sincerely hope that's the case for you guys because if it's not, I'm going with a 2-2 draw huh? because he's he's going with Partey. I'm telling you now, he's going to start Partey and it's going to be him trying to be too clever and it's going to be to your detriment. Interesting question. Is, Gabri- is Gabriel Jesus coming back into the team? Because, and I wonder, maybe we end the podcast with this, your thoughts on Martinelli because Martinelli with Jesus playing is a completely different player to when Jesus isn't playing because I feel he feel he's he's very isolated when Jesus isn't playing. No one's linking up with him. He basically has the job of get the ball and run at defenders, and he doesn't get any you know one two interplays movement around him. It, it, it's worrying when Gabriel yeah, doesn't play. Yeah, I feel like Jesus does add to everyone's game overall, including Martinelli. But I feel like people are omitting the fact that Jack has gone. Xhaka had great link-up play with Martinelli. Uh, Arsenal fans complained, but now they're seeing that with Havertz there instead, the play from that part of the pitch, it could be because Zinchenko has been missing. Uh, we've had temporary uh, left-backs, but something's clearly missing there. I wouldn't go with Jesus yet because I don't want to risk it just before the international break. I'd go with Eddie. Uh, I feel like Eddie was uh, undeservedly dropped uh, against uh, Fulham. He played well against Palace, even though he missed those chances. Uh, he brings an energy to us, and I'm a fan of Enketia. Uh, so I'm not sure about your prediction. I feel like you're being a bit controversial because it's me on the podcast, and uh, guys probably put you up to it. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely going to be a home win. How convincing uh, remains to be seen, but I think 4 1. 4 1. Okay, we will see, Khaled. But that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Uh, everybody, if you're listening, speak to Guy. Find out why I wasn't on the show for, like, albeit <laughs> a whole year. Uh, like I said, I'm more than happy to be involved, but I feel like Guy should give me an on-air public apology. Uh, if he's willing to do that, I'll consider coming back on. If he's not willing to do that, I'll see you next year. <laughs> you come on once a year when the transfer window is about yeah, to close. No, like you said when, when viewers are down they come knocking at me someone a bit controversial talking about Partey uh, yeah we, we were hoping for some scoops Khaled uh, that's what we were hoping for the transfer window is closing we thought you were going to l- drop some scoops here you're going to tell us Emma Smith Rose is staying everything is fine no nah, I'm, I'm just <laughs> messing with you <laughs> But guys, uh, from my end, go and check out all of the content on EPR Index website. We have match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, and all of the news you guys could wish for. Of course, there's the daily podcast show. It's the two-footer podcast where Dave Hendrick discusses all of the happenings in the Premier League from Monday to Friday. Of course, there is obviously the flagship show, the EPR Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviews of the happenings of the Premier League. That usually comes out on Sundays or latest Mondays. Go and follow at a tad predictable on Twitter. Go follow at EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to EPL Index on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments. That stuff really, really helps us out. 
I've been Tidi Ochenikera. You can find me on my Twitter handle at TadPredicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA. He does our guest intros. Our producer behind the glass, Mr. Guy Drinkle. He's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Kala Patel. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshua. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still abuses. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. And it is what Martinelli forces. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. And City have won the Premier League. Sports Social Podcast Network.